Hi, I'm James Rabaniak, and thanks for watching Venture Brothers, and enjoy listening to Hench Live Pirate Radio, anywhere you find your podcasts. Have a scientastic day! All Marvel needed to do with the Inhumans was destroy the X-Men. That was their that was their only goal. They just needed to destroy the X-Men so Fox would come back to the table. I mean, that failed miserably. I mean, and I remember that in the comics, even. It was... Uh, was the the X-Men versus Inhumans. Uh, it was a little yeah. like four issue thing. And it wasn't surprisingly, it wasn't bad. It was actually kind of uh kind of well written, but like this isn't where I would have done that big twist. Like come to find out, like, you know, Scott died in the the first issue, like uh, Cyclops died in the first issue of like, you know, the the Terrigen mist, and yeah. uh, Emma Frost had been projecting him for like the end you know, of the rest of the comic. Um, and I mean, that was a really neat twist. It's just, again, who cares? <laughs> like, why did you burn that here? No, like, they, they definitely took some missteps there, but they're they're getting a lot right elsewhere. Yeah, they also took some missed steps. <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of the, we were just talking about, like, a lot of the fan rage uh, about, uh, you know, not referencing Coulson, you know, being brought back to life in Tahiti, you know, the Tahiti program, uh, that perhaps Loki confirms that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't canon. Uh, and I don't see that as like a bad thing. They essentially did the same thing I mean, to Netflix. They were like, well, we're starting our own thing. So that was a good while it lasted. Yeah. They made it through Defenders. I will say Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was cool in the beginning when like the big Marvel movies would come out and then they would have an episode tie-in with the movie. Like the, fo- the, the week the movie comes out, the following week, there would be a corresponding Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode that tied in. So it was kind of connected for like a minute there. But I think they've like retconned all that stuff and, you know, already just said, oh, none of this is canon. Like, uh, I mean, dude, it, it, it's all but it was. It was fun now. to watch, you know, like back then. Yeah, it, it, it's all multiverse now. Yeah, there is no need to establish something as like canon. Because yeah. everything is like it, it, it is. Yeah. It, I feel like Zen and Dadaism have joined right. in Marvel's <laughs> multiverse. Like it, it is simultaneously everything happened. Like it's like the ending of Lost. Oh no, everything happened. It's it's exactly the way it was. But nothing means anything. <laughs> it, it, it is it is nihilist symbolism. <laughs> Are you stealing shingles again? No, I got a pirate radio set at the swap meet, so I will bring to this neighborhood a non-stop talk alternative. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Too bad there's only 24 hours in a day. Or is there? Who's in the box? Were either of you guys uncertain about anything just now? Fuck yeah. Oh, what's in the box? What's in the box, Rodinger? Um, a cat? We're entirely hypothetical. There's also a lot of drugs in there. The three of us are lost in a timeless oblivion. The cat is alive or dead? Alive or dead? What's in the fucking box? It is with great pleasure. It is with great pride. It is with great conjecture that we possibly welcome you to today's episode of United Fan Theory. I am your host, Dr. Savage Poppenheimer. Lo, I am become death destroyer of continuity. I am joined, as always, by my longtime companion and resident Spocktologist, Spockter Beast McCoy, and we are joined yet again by the man who turns wine into air by emptying the bottle into his stomach. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Professor Trill Nye. Hide your kids, hide your wife. Hydrogen. <laughs> right. So we are discussing episode three of the Disney Plus series, Loki, here on United Fan Theory. And there is a lot to get to. Luckily, most of it is not a recap because this episode felt like, I I think was the shortest episode we've gotten so far. And 
it was really more of a, uh, it was less of an episode and more of a pastiche. It was a buddy cop drama, but not the one you're thinking of. Both of them are the cop and both of them are the reluctant hostage simultaneously as we get Loki and Sylvie traveling along. But I would like to point out that my fan theory from last week was 100% correct. And we will find out how and why as we progress through this week's episode. And we're going to get to some of your fan theories. Don't forget, if you've got theories you'd like to share, comments, feedback, or just outright conjecture, uh, Beast, how can they let us know? Uh, You can actually go straight to our page at anchor.fm forward slash uft and leave us a a voice message there or send us a little text message. Uh, You know, either we're, we're... Happy to have audio samples um, also. Uh, and you can also uh, just hit us up at Google, uh, Gmail, unified fan, un, unified fan theory at gmail.com. Um, this is going to be a great episode. So with all the mouth problems and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of mouth problems, we learn pretty quickly why hunter c22 kept saying it's real it's real it's real and it's not because that's how she likes to keep it so can you tell me a little bit about where this episode begins uh yeah no um it begins on a date what looks like a good date seems like things are going well like a friend date type thing i mean uh no um certainly like i can't pin down the, the time period or anything but it looks pretty generic and everything's going casual. It's generic. <laughs> and then uh, out of nowhere, this this blonde lady who who is very much you know Sylvie, like it's very clear she's just not in the get up. You know she's in period appropriate dress. Oh, and she's ready to get down. <laughs> it's like yeah, so you know having a good time, haven't seen you in a while. How many people are watching the timekeepers? <laughs> <laughs> actually really loved the drop on it like so one of the things that uh, you know they're out having fun they're just drinking c22 is uh, it, it could be new orleans 1999 it could be current day it's this like beach bar and people are in the background chilling having drinks and sylvie and c22 are are hanging out uh, like, oh, you know, do you know where brain freeze comes from? You know, when you are, you know, when you take it, it actually freezes a memory into place and you can't move on until you answer the question. Like, <laughs> oh, fun facts, right? Like it actually, I'm not going to lie, dude. When it comes to, uh, it, it, there was a moment of that that felt personally true because I'm one of those people for whom nuggets of trivia are part of my like love language. Like if I throw trivia at you, it's because I love you. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, let me let me detail just how much I respect and appreciate you as a person with the intricate details of cuneiform. <laughs> <laughs> so when this whole topic about the uh, about the brain freeze came up, I was like, oh, and then it just <clears throat> went a completely different place, which yeah, meant that we yeah, the- the the bottom fell out on that one i was totally on board and then yeah the guard comment <laughs> i was like oh that's what's happening here okay yep uh-huh. and sylvie is desperately trying to get hunter c22 to tell her where the timekeepers can be found how they're there and we get a couple of really dramatic shifts right every time hunter c22 starts uh waking up out of the illusion so to speak uh she snaps it forward it's like oh how long have we been friends you know how we've been we've been best friends for forever like how do i find the timekeepers you know (laughs) and it just keeps going and going and going and then it kind of pans out and we see that moment right before loki and uh mobius appear at the roxon entryway as essentially her getting the last little bit of information that we need about the golden elevator as to how she can find the timekeepers. And this is where my speculation becomes 100% fact because that gateway that Sylvie and Loki walk through, that time gateway, the time door, 
does not open to a lovenasium. It opens directly into the TVA where Sylvie gets her Black Widow moment. Now, there's a whole lot of butt to be kicked. Like, let's be, let's be really honest. They get through that gateway and Sylvie realizes pretty quickly that her magic does not work. Right, she walks out. She's got her sword. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Uh, she, I don't, does she have her sword? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but she walks out and she starts hand to hand fighting the uh, Minutemen, and we get several extreme uh, disintegrations. Right, they, they get Boba Boba Fetted all over the place. These Minutemen, as she's taking them on in this long hallway. And Loki goes to the door, and the doorway has appeared right by those red lockers that we saw last episode. You know, the ones that Loki's daggers get placed into. So as she is kicking butt and destroying names, Loki has walked out, seen those red lockers, walked over and retrieved his daggers and goes off following her. She makes her way to the red elevators and... Loki appears, and that's when we get that great shot that was featured in the trailers of him walking through the TBA hallway, flipping his daggers before he and Sylvie have their tete-a-tete. Now, I love that, again, with this, Loki is still trying to convince her that they should work together. Like, ever the opportunist, <laughs> he's, he's going to win no matter what happens. Because if Sylvie wins, he's been kind of riding along on her coattails for the past several minutes anyway. So we'll just see how far that goes. And if he manages to defeat Sylvie, then Loki wins because the TVA is now indebted to him for some reason. Right? <clears throat> yeah. So he and Sylvie have their fight. And then who should appear but Ravenna Renslayer? with her special six stick, uh, I, I feel like there's going to be something unique about her stick. Um, I actually need to go back. I didn't have time to check it out, but uh, I feel like that might be um, like the, the, you know, maybe a staff of the living tribunal thing. Um, I'm not sure, or it, it could, I mean, it, it might've just been hers from when she used to be a, an ordinary. It was on the, it was on the trophy wall, you know, so mm -hmm. there, there may be some significance to it. It did kind of have a, uh, you know, uh, living tribunal look to it, though. Well, and, you know, it, <laughs> bear in mind, it, of all the weaponry that we've seen, it is the only one that was put up in a place of honor and, like, presented like you might present a samurai sword. You know what I mean? Like, it had its own little, like, display rack. Uh, whereas, you know, everybody else, I, I don't, I, I, is that just how they're kept? Because if it accidentally turns on while it's laying down, it'll like kill you. If when it falls over, is that just how they store it? I, safe I doubt it. <laughs> right now, imagine like having to bend over and like tie your shoes and tagging yourself. In your foot. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I guess person, you could. Yeah. Professor Chill and I is like, we're going to need another Mobius. <laughs> and I'm sure there's plenty of them, but that's, something else <laughs> so Renslayer shows up she's got her team and for a moment you are like wow this is going to go down it is just not the way you think because sylvie grabs her sword grabs loki and threatens Renslayer, come any closer and i'll kill him to which Renslayer's like great <laughs> oh i thought this was going to be bad news oh okay like <laughs> you're not saying anything that's going to make me stop at all <laughs> yeah i was like that's a weird threat I was like, I don't think you understand how threats work. <laughs> Loki. Threats aren't presents. You know that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Christmas must be really weird at your house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like every year at the Pitt household. So, Loki, seeing the writing on the wall, decides to take a ride through the floor. He pops open the, uh, I guess, I. I 
do you, yes, he pops open a time door immediately beneath them. My initial thought when it first happened was that he had used whatever the same technology is that happened to him when he first arrived at the TVA, which was, you know, like falling through the, the elevator that didn't move, you know, like he was just dropping the floor into different costumes, outfits, or, you right, know, right, like, right. You know, the I elevator was going to rewind time. Yeah. Like, like, you know, that where it like backs it up like 30 seconds or whatever. I thought that was what that little remote did, you know, yeah. but I guess it only, it only controls like people with the collar on, I guess. Yeah, the collar had like a little like. But it, it doesn't always look remote. like that on the show. Like they, you can just do anything with any of that stuff. <laughs> well, like the 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 time rewinder had well, had like a kind of a key fob look. This yeah. one is like the you know. The one iPad by like Casio. Page. <laughs> right. Like it's, iPad by Casio is the best yeah. way I can describe it. Like yeah, <laughs> this is what an iPad made by Casio like in the 1980s. <laughs> Oh, dude! It's, no, that 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 is not the '80s. That is like that. That is early '90s. That that is Thunder and Paradise era. <laughs> I need to find out if that show actually exists. Thunder and Paradise. It 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 did, but I I don't think it was so much Riptide as it was the uh, his nanny movie. Oh, Rip large, Mister yeah. <laughs> Mister Na- Nanny, yeah. Well, uh, uh, actually, MCU adjacent here, uh, Chris Hemsworth is in the Hulk Hogan biopic. As? Hulk Hogan. Yeah? Yeah. W- it, did that come out or is it coming out? Because that was not on my radar. Uh, it, it, it is being shot now, I think. And what's funny is... Oh, yeah, I did hear about that. Somebody yeah. saw like a picture of him uh, on set, like, you know, spending time with his daughter and like he he hasn't been doing like any like leg workouts apparently uh, really make it look like uh steroids like uh that's the impression i get because uh, i mean they're gonna have to if they're doing it honest like they're going to have to cover his roid usage period uh if Man, they're being honest really they're gonna have to cover gawker <laughs> yeah yeah thor love and leg day <laughs> for real man i can't be having well i guess which which one went first thor love and thunder no nah, man it's very clear thor love and sponges <laughs> no yeah i think they wrapped that up uh and then yeah like you know he was doing hulk hogan afterward okay well loki has dropped him and sylvie away from renslayer and onto what appears to be a bed. And for a moment, I got kind of excited because I was like, yay, Trill Nye is going to get his Lovenasium. But <laughs> uh, lo and behold, we have a totally different dynamic. They pop up. They're still fighting, like kind of mostly, but uh, they're at the point now where they're just trying to make fun of each other really intensely. <laughs> right? they're, they're bickering. Yes. <laughs> yes oh you're just a magician then uh you know more fighting wait where did then something streaks through the lovenasium tent that they're in and uh that's when she says wait a minute where did you drop us turns out it is lamentus one a planet whose moon has cracked and is about to crash into the planet destroying it and everyone on the surface it is an apocalypse for which there is no escape except by way of the temp pad the casio ipad so to speak and ran out of juice well and this is a very interesting choice of uh, apocalypse so it's what uh 2077 mm-hmm. so uh this is actually our second location reference to a marvel character called quasar uh, that's actually a mantle that's been held by multiple people. Uh, in the comics, Lamentus One is actually on the edge of Cree space um, and actually shows up uh, at first in like 2007. Um, I forget the, the name of the storyline, but uh, Byla Vell, who is a Cree warrior, you know, she's a, a lady version of Quasar. Now, in the last episode, uh, you open up in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, 
which is uh, where Wendell Vaughn grew up. Uh, and he was uh, like an earthbound quasar. Um, so they've made literally like two location references to two different versions of uh, Quasar. Now that movie is coming, right? Quasar? Yeah. I, I feel like I remember seeing something about this years ago when uh, when we were on um, uh, the, the very first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, uh, <laughs> I think that was more like Nova. Um, I heard stuff about both of them way back then. Yeah, now still the, waiting on be, it. because you had the that. Nova Corps, yeah, but Quasar in particular because he had the the bands, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, quantum bands. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess if you're going to introduce quantum things, now's the time. Well, yeah, and Wendell Bond was definitely the the one with the the you know quantum bands, and then. Uh, Phyla Vell, uh, I don't know if she had the quantum band. I know she was a like a you know of the the Cree nation and she went through a few different mantles herself, uh, and stuff like that. So they're actually kind of touching on you know kind of two different parts of the mythology, you know what I mean? Like they're already touching on some some Cree guardians of the galaxy stuff and then some other uh, you know, kind of earthbound guardians of the galaxy stuff. And actually, I mean, interesting, uh, was it, uh, that was Oshkosh, Wisconsin, 1985, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then when did Guardians of the Galaxy, like when did uh, Quill's mom, like when did he get abducted? That was in the 80s. Yeah. So, I mean, that's actually kind of temporally speaking in the same neighborhood. It, it, only if they're in the same universe. Yeah, fair enough. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> like at this point the idea of canon is very quickly uh, as we just discussed becoming such a non-issue like it, it's just you know oh it's it, it it is the beauty of comic books you know comic books thank goodness have had uh what all, almost 85 years 90 years to hash out some of the problems that the mcu is traipsing through quite quickly, right? Which is what happens when you get all these great stories that don't mesh with each other, right? How in the world do you have this happen? Oh, it's a multiverse, very clearly, right? And then down the line, we can have them pop in and out. So we, we can get a, a Daredevil, you know, a Netflix Daredevil showing up in Moon Knight and it's gonna be fine because multiverse, Right. It is the ultimate trump card, so to speak, because you can go through and have Gotham by Gaslight and, you know, all these different Elseworlds play out. There's a, there are no rules anymore. Nothing means anything. Via nihilist Nabowski, we care about nothing. <laughs> right. Death is impermanent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, nobody stays dead except for Bucky and Uncle Ben. Oh, <laughs> Wait. <laughs> oh man, that'd be great if they brought Uncle Ben back as like a a, a Spider-Man villain. Or a racist corporate trope. Uh I mean Uncle Ben is Norman Osborn. <laughs> <laughs> it's Norman Osborn. <laughs> so Sylvie and Loki start fleeing their uh would be fight Nasium, love Nasium, uh, tent of doom, and are running across this giant mining complex, which leads them to a temporary mining shelter, uh, which offers a little bit more protection than a tent. Uh, and they get into this mining shelter, and for a moment, again, you start to really question where this is going. Because you get a couple of very close moments, followed by fighty fighty. <laughs> right? There is a very unique dynamic going on as she's trying to figure out where he has the temp pad hidden. And she, of course, knows how to recharge the temp pad. So they need each other. They're going to have to work together to find their way across this moon in this like journey through hell and imminent doom. Well, she reveals that the plan that he interrupted was years in the making. And 
we still don't know quite what that plan is. So let's pause for just a moment and speculate. And I'm sure you have a couple of ideas that uh, we've gotten from around the internet as well about what her plan actually is. Do we have enough information, even slightly, to gauge what her plan is? Uh, nothing that you can take for granted. Because here's the thing is, uh, we, in, in terms of like plot, uh, we don't know anything more uh, forensically than we did before this moment, like before this episode. So everything else is all just kind of driven by dialogue and they're both gods of mischief. You don't think on some level they wouldn't lie to each other? Like, Oh, they're totally lying to each other the whole time. Yeah, no. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> so, no, I mean, I do think on some level she's not lying when she says, like, leaving the power vacuum at the TVA. But she also does say, like, it's been, you know, an agency that's been harassing her her whole life. Yeah. So something tells me that, like, you know, she was meant to be killed off at a pretty early age and really she just wants to live a normal life maybe the postman thing is true maybe that's a fucking load of bullshit but either way like i think the sincerity about not taking over the tva is very true yeah i think principally her biggest goal uh, loki wants to take over the tva sylvie just wants to end the tva uh i think her end goal is principally just to end the TVA so that it is no longer a threat to her. Uh, imagine, you know, having, it, it's, it's like getting out from under a tax debt, right? Like rather than just paying your taxes, which in this case would be disintegration, disintegration dissolution, and uh, a lack of being, AKA death, uh, you just destroy the IRS and then you don't owe any taxes, right? That's it's like uh, it's like the end of Fight Club. Yeah, no, that's what I was about to say. Destroy the debt record. Yeah, yeah. And if she can do that, she can finally be free. And I think that at the end of the day, that is what her entire plan is. It is not revenge so much as it is uh, it, it, I, accidentally altruistic. Yeah. No, I mean, other people will benefit. But as long as she's beneficiary number one, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, everybody else is incidental that way. Um, so, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, uh, the, I'm more interested in stuff we find out later and what that means. Mm -hmm. um, so was it uh, we're we're in the hut. Uh, one of my favorite scenes coming up is like after they they kind of get their shit together and leave. Uh, they they approach this one house and it's like the old uh, Western trope of the, you know, the lady sitting at the door with the shotgun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like space shotgun. <laughs> Dude, so this... Like a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> can I just point out how much fun the dialogue of this episode is? It, it, it is not very plot or detail heavy. Right. It is. This is in many ways, even though it is the midway point in the series, the first, for lack of a better word, kind of throwaway episode that we have. Right. Like there are nothing like the the dynamics of this episode do not change mm -hmm. radically from the beginning to the end. The pacing right? is way different than the first two episodes, too. This is just like a like this is their their big action set piece exposition between the characters developmental kind of episode yeah it's yeah. that episode it, it is the uh it is that episode in uh avatar the last airbender where everyone's just hanging out by the campfire telling stories like oh yeah let's learn more about these characters right we've had a whole lot of action <laughs> or you know let's watch a uh, let's watch a play summarizing the entire series before our big battle kind of thing uh, it's just a moment for the characters to be together and deal with... It's like a, it's like a bottle episode, but not. Yes, yes. <laughs> it, 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 it is the inverse bottle. Yeah. Right. It's the, uh, was it like hanging Doctor out? Doctor Who bottle. Like, it's just in with space inside, <laughs> yeah. but it's still just the characters doing character stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Now, who is it? It's Quinn and Brody and uh, 
Richard Dreyfus, I forget his name. Uh, <laughs> like in the bottom of the boat, like getting getting house talking about sharks. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. No, and and what I really appreciated about it was uh, once that momentum really gets going, because you get a little bit with like the whole tease, like the 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 ploy with the old lady. The old lady shoots, you know, Sylvie, and then Loki tries to do what he does, which is you know kind of con and manipulate, but. Then he, he reads the dynamic wrong, you know, gets the husband all wrong, and she shoots him. <laughs> never said anything nice in 30 years. But they do get information, you know, they do make it to the train. And then, you know, that's actually, I, I mean, I say ironically, like this could be a directorial intent, where the momentum picks up. Yeah, right. One of the things I really loved about the train uh, was once you got inside it, uh, I mean, they have this whole interaction kind of leading up to the train, and that just shows you the the difference in in maneuvers. Like Loki is all about improv. He's he's jazz Loki, right? Like and <laughs> Sylvie's a little bit more like you know marching band. Like we have meter, we have time, we have plans. Um, one step is not a plan. Like that killed me. That line actually did me in. <laughs> Once they get inside the train, uh, you know, you get a real sense of like. Uh, the the dichotomy between like the the rich and poor people here uh this is very in my opinion very uh what was it snowpiercer yeah um mm. actually uh, i feel like you skipped a couple of really really important parts uh one of which was that sylvie told loki to stop calling her loki that's not who i am anymore i'm sylvie now yeah, so uh, if that's going based on the comic stuff, uh, like it, it's weird. So that could be a, actually like a, you know, gender fluid version of Loki that's referenced. Or, you know, that file could be referencing the, the actual Loki that, you know, Loki Prime, right? But in the comics, uh, Loki died and was reborn uh, with the same consciousness, just in a, you know, lady body and, and you know, Sylvie. And again, this holds like precedent in the mythology. Like he has been an old woman, you know, he's been a pregnant horse. Like, <laughs> of course. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, as, as one Norse god does. Um, so I think that might have been her life. Like, she might have been the, the one that had to, uh, you know, transform, you know, that way as, as kind of using the, the you know vernacular because again uh i don't think that this is all accidental with like you know pride month um confirming one of like you know the fan favorite characters in a few ways um that completely makes sense so it's not this is not snyder cut this is not them pandering to the fans this is all the stuff that makes sense you know if you read the comics this all is a thing. This isn't just Disney being progressive for the sake of being progressive. Uh, Disney is on the, wh whatever the opposite of the leading edge is when it comes to being progressive. Disney exactly. is exactly what I would call progressive. Uh, do you remember the outrage over when they snuck in a same-sex kiss at the very end of The Rise of Skywalker? Like, uh, Disney forcing their value. No, no, no. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but uh, like, you know, LGBTQ plus people have been people <laughs> in yeah. society for uh, roughly 35, 40 years, uh, unlike kind of the pop culture timeline. So like, uh, let's not like pretend this is forward thinking. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Disney's never, like you said, never really been on the cutting edge. And that's what, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, posting about Pride Month has been, which has been like one of my favorite parts about the memes uh, was them talking about like corporate culture, like, you know, not acknowledging gay people for like 11 months out of the year, but it's like Pride Month. And it's like, well, hello there, fellow gays. Like, <laughs> did, did you see that Chick-fil-A? Picks that was going around. It was Chick Fil A with uh, some televisions up over, you know, but behind the counter showing the menu, and it was like, you know, Pride. It was like, I, I don't know that you get to do this. You are yeah. not right. Working. Um, In fact, I, I have been observing the Chick Fil A lint. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, again, kind of say that, like, you know, all of this is a public. Like, I think it's good marketing. Don't get me wrong. 
but this isn't inappropriate. Like this is opportunity marketing. Loki was going to come out. You know, Loki has been speculated, you know, in this way for a while because of the precedent set in the comics. You know, well, the haters are always going to find the angle to hate on it. That's just what happens. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, uh, to me, that didn't even really, again, seem normal. Like, uh, like the idea of somebody just telling somebody what, you know, no, you call me this. That's a very normal thing to me now. It's like, you know, tell like, this is how you address me. Because again, that's a, a more common behavior than it used to be. To you, you picked right up on, on the radar. Like, you're like, yeah. I'm like, well, fuck, man. That I was more interested in the fact that they like, uh, you know, officially in the same episode uh, confirmed, you know, Tom Hiddleston Loki as bi. Uh, or, I, was, I was about to mention that. Well, no, no, hang on. Well, okay. Now, <laughs> I don't I have think bi is right word to use. I think he's No, 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 hang on. Stop. Don't you fucking ruin my joke. Okay. I have a whole thing here, and this is what you do: is you ruin other people's <laughs> setups. Anyway, so he's confirmed to be bi, but here's what we know about Loki, mythologically speaking: he's actually very closely related to Dionysus, right? Uh, kind of like in in the you know parallelisms between North and Norse and Greek mythology. So that would make him more of a pansexual. Yes, it would. Or Bionysus. <laughs> Bionysian. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think that boiling Loki down to the gender uh, duopoly is, is complex enough for Loki as a character. Uh, the impression that I got was that uh, genders are not the same across the universe. Uh, you know, where, I mean, even on Earth, you know, genetically speaking, you've got more than two. And, you know, there are, uh, what, three different, four different types of sexual uh, reproduction. Like, we, we think of one, but they're like, you know, we've only got one of four different types of sexual reproduction. And what, like, how many other types of asexual reproduction that don't do, like, you know, spermatozoa and, and zygotes and stuff like that? Like, yeah, you know, trees are fucking perverts. Yeah. I'm just saying so, that. Like, I, I, there's that part of me that sees Loki. You know, Loki is functionally about the very Bacchanalian uh, revelry. And I can totally see Loki getting down. It's like, all right, let's reproduce by, let's reproduce by gametes. Let, let's get into whatever this is. <laughs> right. <laughs> You said it felt good, right? I'm down. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, you said it felt good. I'm not sure. I think we should try that again. Like, <laughs> so I would not be, uh, you know, I, I think that you are spot on when you, you know, when we kind of look at Loki as being more than just this, this one little thing. And again, this is not a question they, they ever actually have to answer, right? Yeah. Like they, they've, Kind of go at, they've gone ahead and confirmed that Loki is not bound by uh, other people's morals, so to speak, and is certainly not bound by form the same way that we tend to think about it. So, so, okay, if Loki, we know that he pops into Earth and does some weird shit from time to time, do you think that he was like the dude who got power bottomed by Aleister Crowley? <laughs> right, <laughs> doubt it. I love the phrase power bottom. You know, well, and you know, it, it just, it reminds me a little those bit. Were, those were wild times, man. You don't know. It is. Um, what was that? Uh, do you remember the movie Strange Days? Yeah. Had Angela Bassett and Michael. Tim uh, Roth. Was Tim Roth in that? Michael Madsen. Dude, no. I haven't seen that movie in so long. <clears throat> um, you might as well have said Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this actor is such a great character actor. Um, oh, God bless. Well, Michael Wincott. Oh, there we go. That dude's amazing. But, you know, at one point, they've got the, uh, the device that when you put it on, you become whoever was wearing it previously. And there's that scene where the guy's putting it on for the first time. And there's like some hot shit taking a shower. And he's like, you were just a 21 year old girl taking a shower. And like, you can't tell me that like people 
would not jump into that in a heartbeat if that was an option. Like Loki's just living the dream, y'all. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean living his best life. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph Fiennes was in that. Tom Sizemore. Yeah. Michael Wink. Okay, I I was trying to see who Michael Wincott was, and now I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's the same guy. He was in like Alien Four. He was in. Dude, he's been in in a ton of things. I think he was in. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I recognize him. Yeah. Sure. Um, so one of the other key details that we get as they're kind of walking along, heading up to the house, uh, was this uh, the 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 difference between their approach. Loki's trying to be all like finesse and style, and she's going to be brute force, and both of them end badly when confronted with stubborn <laughs> and armed. So they, they give you like a sequence of that, right? So it's the old lady. So you get to see kind of the, the, the tactics and then almost immediately the train getting on the train and then almost immediately, like in another situation where they're just hanging out, right? Like preparing for the mission in this room that looks like the, the train car looks amazingly very much like the inside of a Viking longhouse. <laughs> right. So Loki's going to do what Loki's going to do. Uh, like, and I love it. He's like, you know, I'm going to relax the way I know to relax. And I was immediately like, yep, Viking relaxing, like chug. <laughs> uh, and I mean, Tom Hilson gives you some very beautiful, like Asgardian singing. They have some really touching moments where they're actually, you know, kind of uh, asking about each other's mothers and trying to figure each other out. He starts asking about the enchanting. Oh, yeah. um, I'm very interested in how she makes that work. <laughs> yeah, no, and the payoff for that was so good. I, mm. um, but no, uh, you know, again, she's about kind of like, you know, lying low and, you know, just kind of waiting for the moment, you know, getting to the arc. Uh, he gets thrown out of the train. Like after throwing a dude out of the train, he was like, ha bye-bye. And he had, it, it, this is what befalls all Asgardians. Like this is the same thing as Thor having to like, <laughs> throw the axe like throw stormbreaker at uh thanos's chest and give this whole grand speech like you know this is the same asgardian urge to like i've bested you and then like right out the window um and then that's when they start like you know hitting having to do the the buddy western again yeah (laughs) walking down the train tracks this time yeah um that train sequence kind of takes place at the heart of the episode. And in many ways, it is the heart of the episode. We get the difference. It's uh, a musical number, man. It's fantastic. Yeah. It was really good. It's a nice touch. Even though Scrubs already did it and Simpsons already did it and everybody's had their musical episode. Uh, no, I'm just... The Magicians did it. They, they had a whole bunch. Lucifer just did it. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I just thought it was cool they had a musical number like right in the middle. Even though it was very small, I was like, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, that's that's one of the things uh, so I have to admit to to like maturing into. Like me in my 20s was like, yeah, fuck musicals, they're crazy. Like it's dumb. Nobody ever do that. And then I realized like, wait, that's why that's why musical numbers are awesome because they're so fucking absurd. Yeah, never it was happened. so random. It was so random. <laughs> <laughs> like my favorite uh like joke about it ever was the the uh zach efron saturday night live sketch where he comes back as the valedictorian uh for for or not valedictorian as the the guest of honor he's doing the graduation speech for high school musical high he's like no 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 see when you sing your feelings in college other people hear them <laughs> <laughs> um my favorite segment wasn't the musical number with Loki leading the train car in ribald song and apocalyptic revelry. It now, was, you're a sappy dude. You love talking about the moms because you're a mama's boy. I know that because I'm a mama's boy. And you love the whole bit with like the fireworks and like that whole exchange because it was super subtle. And I know you. You love a good table dialogue. Like all of this shit just, it was like playing a heart. This is your version of Nicholas Sparks. <laughs> uh, I did enjoy that, but no, it was a te- it, it, it was love is mischief then, right? No, see, that's the book ending. Fly. That's the same thing. That's literally them continuing the conversation from the, that was the most Nicholas Sparks moment of the whole damn thing. <laughs> it was 
trying to it, it was Loki's uh it was Loki's moment where he's like, all right, I'm hammered. And I'm by hammered I mean full. I'm really full right now. Uh well I figured out what love is. Love is a dagger. And you're like, okay, th this is interesting. Like we're, we're getting so much uh, interior explication, right? And you know, and when you reach for it, it isn't there. It's just like, that's a really shitty metaphor. And he's yeah. like, I know, I'm, I'm full, right? <laughs> like, she says love is an enchanted dagger. And he's like, oh yeah. He's, she's like, terrible metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love you immediately because it's like, fuck out. Love is an enchanted dagger, fellas. Well, and the thing that was so interesting to me about it is that one of the key elements that they both share is that they are both pining for something that other people seem to find so easily. And I don't think there's any of us that doesn't understand that in some way, shape or form, whether it's love or friendship or sense of purpose or any of these other elements that, again, some people seem to have figured out in their lives. And here are these people possessing uh, uh, nearly unimaginable powers, right? Who have outstanding abilities, who are pining for something that even that woman in the shack with the shotgun had, right? Like this is something that continues to escape them that they can't quite get over. Are and you talking about second amendment rights? <laughs> Um, and this also makes me think that like it, it's almost setting up the relationship between them as being the thing that they had been searching for like Loki's true love is the love that everyone's told him he shouldn't have which is self-love right like Loki well, I, this is like the creepiest version of self-love though Oh, if there is, again, I'm not unconvinced that the Lovnasium isn't going to happen, but uh, when it comes to this, the, the missing piece in Loki's life was Loki, and I felt like there was a truly Zen metaphor underpinning the entire thing. Like, the thing you're looking for all along is you. Well, man, and I gotta be honest with you, like, uh, the memes from that would be exquisite. Because, I mean, nobody fucks you over like you. Like you can't, period. you can't period. love anyone else until you love yourself, man. No, that's not true. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I just thought that that was perfect. I, I, for Loki. I can love many people every night. <laughs> In fact, I would prefer to love them than myself. Like that's the hard stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out I love myself the most. <laughs> that's how um, it works. So uh, I'm calling it silky. Kind of running out of running out of time in terms of like how we try to keep it. Uh, once they finally get to where they're going, that's more just action porn. Uh, they have some pretty neat fight sequences going on, and and then they're pretty much overwhelmed. And uh, the arc, well, the arc's pointless. The whole thing is dumb. Yeah, they're <laughs> on their way to the arc. They're going to try to escape. Uh, oh, it, we we didn't cover that Loki broke the temp pad when he got thrown out of the uh, out of oh, the, the train. train. So well, now, and the most important to me, like before the arc getting destroyed like that was a big thing like they're stuck like well I, I know that this is television there's three more episodes they're not stuck so what i think is super interesting is the further discussion uh on the train tracks uh about enchantment because they talk about the process by which enchantment happens and then like you know she kind of describes it and then as she's casually describing uh, was it C-22? Yeah. Uh, her enchantment. Um, she was like, yeah, no, I mean, I just had to go way far back to before she was with the TVA. Mm -hmm. They're not yeah. timekeepers. Ergo, my Loki theory, my, my Mobius Loki theory could, in fact, hold up. I've been waiting the whole episode to blurt out that my bad theory could still hold up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, that has some really big implications. Dude, that was the bomb drop of the episode. Barna. Yeah. Like, that was the bomb drop of the episode, that the TVA is completely staffed with variants. That all the Minutemen... Uh, and, and, and again, my I, I'm still of the opinion that Renslayer is our bad guy. Right? Um, 
Renslayer is a stepping stone. She's not the uh, big bad. Well, no, I mean, she is... might be the, the quote-unquote series big bad, but she's the stepping stone to Kang. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we know that much. We know that she's even a love interest to Kang. Yeah. Which, uh, I think they made a book about that later. Like, uh, was it The Time Traveler's Wife? It didn't go well. Either way, it was sad. <laughs> <laughs> so, Oh, one other quick note here. How in the world are you going to take a train ride when everything is getting destroyed? What makes you think that like 700 miles of track are going to be consistent? Hmm. Um, I mean, functionally, I understand why it had to happen, but there's just, it, it's, it's also that it, just one of those little things that didn't quite connect. Yeah, no, uh, it seems like a weird, again, I think that was just pushing the, the Western trope. Yeah. Um, this was their Mandalorian episode. Like, let's be yeah. honest about that. Yeah. You know. Directed by John Favreau. Well, I mean, yeah, like that dude's got a highly influential thumb in both universes now. Um, so, I mean, it would, it just makes sense to kind of give him that tribute. But like, again, the, the unexpected stuff that popped up, uh, the, the action was good. You got to see how they move different but alike. It was the first episode that actually had any action from Loki. You know? Yeah. It was, uh, nice. It was nice to see that. Did um, you see Lo oh, go, go ahead, Trill. I was going to say uh, one part, I think it's coming up in like as in the progression is how we were talking about the episode, but when that they that big tower starts to fall, and Loki just like stops it and like yeah. pushes it back together. Like I was like, when did Loki become a Jedi? That's super weird. Like I didn't know he had that power. That was the most surprising moment of the entire episode for me. Like yeah. when Loki the, the 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 that pillar is collapsing on them, and Loki's like, I got it, and then he just looks at it hard. <laughs> yeah, and it like pops away. He's like, "Cool, now let's pretend we're like nothing big happened. Let's go." And it, it went oh, back yeah, together I mean... like piece by piece too. So it was like it looked like the time stone kind of, you know, like when Doctor Strange was rewinding time with the time stone, things would just go completely back into place piece by piece. It was like the same effect on that huge wall. I was like, just I was like. What just happened? <laughs> okay, so one of the more obscure powers of Odin in, in like Norse mythology is that no woman can resist him. Like it's a it's a whole thing. Like all he has to do is be like, hey, and like she's just done. Now, noting that Loki is by, that's exactly how he got that building right back up. He was like, hey, <laughs> good night. <laughs> you are now fully erected again. Right. <laughs> um, can, can I also point out just how badass this like cityscape around the arc scene was? Uh, we had, uh, I don't know exactly how long that single shot was held for, but that it, it, it wasn't quite children of men level, but man, it was getting close. Like it was very clearly extraordinarily well done. Like the direction on this was outstanding. Uh, it was definitely like this is going to be uh, one of the more, in my opinion, cinematic ones, like just as much as WandaVision was a love note to just the history of television. This is definitely like a love note to uh, certain kinds of sci-fi, like something that we keep talking about kind of in the, the group chat is, uh, you know, how very Terry Gilliam and Douglas Adams it all is in terms of like sci-fi influence. Uh, you know, it even looks a little Blade Runner-y in places. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, yeah, no, it's uh, it's kind of a love note to that whole genre of uh, of film, like the like the same way they call it, like you know, uh, high fantasy. You know, stuff like uh, JJ was it J.R.R. Tolkien? I was about to say J.J. Abrams Tolkien. Um, <laughs> No, because Tolkien actually planned shit out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, uh, yeah, this is very much a, a love note to those kinds of, uh, you know, absurdist uh, physics, sci-fi, 
and stuff. Also, uh, one of the things that I loved was apparently there's a bunch of seven references, which was really fortuitous for how we cut the uh, the opener um, for the show. Uh, a bunch of the shots are very much like David Fincher inspired. Um, and I get that a lot. A lot of the highly patterned backgrounds, um, kind of a low angle, not quite the Tarantino trunk shot, but, you know, makes people a little bit taller. And the room is always like a little smoky, uh, specifically like when they're in the, um, was it uh, the circus tent mm-hmm. um, is very like seven David Fincher mm-hmm. um, type stuff. So, again, like this is, you know, a love note to cinema in that that very much that real way. So. This episode wraps up with uh, the art being destroyed, Sylvie walking away, and Loki just breathing heavily and totally flummoxed. What and how did this episode develop additional theories about where we go from here? Uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, A couple of things. First off, the internet has changed a great deal in like the past, like from the beginning of the MCU to now, because now uh, it's weird. There are a ton of uh, videos just like we try to do is like record the same day and stuff. So a lot of the West coasters are turning out those videos early on. Um, But everywhere else, like the social media stuff is really like quiet. It goes dark almost uh, hours before Loki drops like no spoilers like nobody does stuff so the theories i'll be honest are a little sparse um in terms of like what's going to be fresh uh we didn't really get a chance to confirm anything but in terms of like my own postulation um i'm really hoping all this uh building up to a quasar isn't not going to be for nothing this Mm -hmm. seems like the only way out or you know the time variance showing up you know the tva showing up and then uh you know, them basically hijacking their way back. Like, otherwise, like, I got, I got nothing. Um, How do they get out? How do they get out? Yeah, how do they get out? Uh, Uh, I I thought about this, I thought about this a little bit. Um, I think Mobius is going to either save them or Loki just showed female Loki that it was busted just to kind of string her along a little bit longer to see if, you know, because he needed her help. So he might still have it and they might come up with like a B, a plan B to get that thing powered up. Uh, you know, it's just a couple of things I was thinking about. That's, you know. Uh, I don't think that the temp pad is actually busted. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, uh, I thought that might be a cool way to, to get yeah. out of there. We've also seen that Loki can uh, reconstruct things. Oh, that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, Also, I mean, I guess kind of the implication for that being is this is the same bit that Mobius put him through. Like, this is the litmus test, like, to to figure out, like, where her intention is. Yeah. You know, and if she's down to save an arc full of people, I mean, again, you know, she's willing to do the good thing if it saves her that kind of chaotic good okay that works um so yeah i mean the the not actually busted temp pad or the easily repaired temp pad um no i think that could that could flow it doesn't matter because mobius is a loki i'm standing (laughs) by that one i'm dying on that hill i thought (laughs) i wasn't going to i thought that was a bad theory but then come to find out nope even you can put in an application at the TVA by just going the wrong way to fucking work, apparently. Mobius <laughs> is secretly a timekeeper. And the sacred timeline is is Kang's timeline. He has to make sure that it stays intact so that he can become who he is in the future. I am continually hoping that we are going to get more detail about the time war. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, as far as where this series goes from here, uh, are there any final theories you'd like to posit or postulate before we wrap up this episode? Um, final theories? Go ahead, B. 
let's see, I guess a final theory. Uh, I don't really have anything like, you know, that I didn't already lay out on the table. Uh, I'm just very interested to see what the, the broader implications of, you know, the, the grand lie of the, the TVA being exposed. Um, basically that everybody's like, you know, the, the whole staff is made up of a bunch of people that they go ahead and kill off. You know, they're killing variants, you know. Here's the thing that I'm not sure, like, there's a part of me that wonders if killing the TVA doesn't undo everything the TVA had been doing up to that point, because you, the, the TVA is structured outside of time, which means that at any point, Nexus events can occur in any other point in the time stream, right? So all the work the TBA has been doing to prune can be undone in a moment's notice and everything can pretty much continue along with all these variances taking place throughout history at any point. Like the TBA is, uh, it, the second that it's not doing what it's doing, the universe pretty much springs back to normal outright at, along the entire time stream. So all the work the TVA has been doing is essentially all for naught if the TVA isn't doing its work. I mean, I think that's pretty uh, actually implicit in his name, Mobius. Yeah. It's, you're, you're doing the, the endless thing, you know, if you don't keep pruning, it's like a, you know, it's like a tree. It keeps growing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for joining us for this episode covering episode three of Disney Plus's Loki series. Uh, there are three more episodes left and we will cover them before we get to our next series. And if you've got any theories you'd like to postulate on or share with us, feel free to email them to us or leave us a voice message. And how can they find us, Beast? Uh, they can find us at United Fan Theory. I'm sorry, United. I keep doing that. Unified Fan Theory at gmail.com or check us out on anchor.fm forward slash UFT. Uh, please hit us up on Anchor. Like, I really want a voice clip. You know what? I regret. I immediately, like, the second I'm like, please send us a voice clip. It's going to be like, yeah, we hate your fucking show. Uh, so never mind. Just <laughs> send me that in, like, you know, text so I can read that and cry to myself. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And we are also looking forward to the next thing that we'll be covering here on Unified Fan Theory, which we have not nailed down yet. We've got a couple of really good ideas about uh, things that we want to cover, but we want to hear what you want us to cover. Uh, so far, we've been looking at uh, The Expanse. We've been looking at The Nevers. We've been, uh, what, else, what else were we chatting about, guys? Uh, the interconnectedness of the Nolan verse, uh, kind of connecting everything and even maybe connect, like I could see putting Batman in that, that Booyah base. Um, and let's see, we were definitely talking about Westworld. Uh, Watchmen needs a rewatchman. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that is just, you want to talk about amazing. That's just a 10 hour long movie. That's all that was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of backlog stuff. Cobra Kai is coming out later on this year, and I can't tell you how excited I am for season four of Cobra Kai. So we'll be covering, you know, the, the first three seasons of that and recap. Uh, one more time? I said Rick and Morty just came back, too. Um, oh, yeah, we got to do a, a recap on that. Like, so Black Widow's coming out, like, next week, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. that'll definitely be one we cover. Um, we're still trying to figure out our format going forward. It's really weird because we don't want to overlap shows that we're already doing so we're going to do some back catalog stuff uh you know pick a show to track on for a while um you know just trying to play around with the format and get the most out of pop culture well one of the hey, things man. that is always really thrilling is just how creative the viewership the audience is and you know it's one of the things that i think the marvel uh tv series has really hit on better than almost any other uh, like IP. And that is how these little Easter eggs 
are infinitely mineable. Like, you know, you, you, even so far as like the credits, right? Like the credit sequence of Loki has so many little Easter eggs scattered throughout it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like all the little pictures of Loki and Sylvie scattered on the desk with the different file folders and the different text and, you know, not just the clocks and the mosaics, but just all these little tiny elements. And, you know, it, it's, it's truly enjoyable as a fan to explore where these things might go, even when we get to the end and it's not Mephisto. <laughs> <laughs> you still feel extraordinarily like, like it, it, it's not just the destination, it's the journey. And we are thrilled that you're sharing the journey with us. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, I am Professor Savage Poppenheimer. We are joined as always by my longtime companda, our resident Spocktologist, Spockter Beast McCoy. And of course, we are joined by our man who is a wizard in our lives, a Mr. Wizard, Professor Trill Nye whose experiments often involve turning alcohol into liver damage. Thank you. Once I'm, on, I'm on the wagon now. I'm on the wagon. <laughs> Three Thank days, baby. Woo! <laughs> Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. If you have fan theories, headcanon, or continuity errors you think we need to know about, send them to unifiedfantheory at gmail.com and we'll give you credit and discuss them on air. This episode of Unified Fan Theory was researched and hosted by Dr. Savage Poppenheimer, Spockter Beast McCoy, and Resident Thick Grayson. Produced and edited by the Vaudevillain and Baron Beast Mode. Sound and graphic design by the Vaudevillain. Unified Fan Theory is a production of Hinge Life Pirate Radio. And most importantly, thanks for listening and stay geeky, nerds.